Hello, my friends. Brett Patterson coming at you from the financial capital of the West Salt Lake City, Utah. Joined by the big fella today. Hello. Brian Hunsaker. Wait, Hi. I thought that was me. You're the tall fella. Oh, good to know. Spencer uh, Nelson, everybody. He, great great to have you join us, Spencer. He just called you large, he called him. He called him fat. <laughs> no, I didn't. He did. You're he did. big. You called him tall. You can pick up a car and throw it, dude. You called hey, me the come big on. fella. Back to the subject. All right, thank you. Gosh, I have to defend myself on this podcast. We've got a great two questions today. Really one question, one thought that we were going to cover today. Last week, Brian and I, we spent some time, and I hope everybody listened to it, talking about known unknowns and unknown unknowns. And people are already mad at me for saying that, I bet. But today we're going to talk about a known unknown, right? Something that we know about, but the impact is still unknown. And it's a question that we have had before, and it was brought up again as I had a client meeting this week from one of my favorite people down under, Dave. And it's also a, I mean, newsletters are published all the time on this topic. Fear-based newsletters saying, go into gold, go into cash, buy silver, because all hell's going to break loose. Do you want to know what the subject is, though? The subject line, Brian? Well, yeah, I do. Debt. Of this country. Mm -hmm. The current debt to GDP is 135% according to the St. Louis Fed. This is the same level as World War II. So my question to the big fella and the tall fella is, should we be concerned with the debt that we're racking up in this country? Yes, we should be concerned. Okay. Absolutely. We should be concerned. Uh, and to say that uh, it doesn't matter is is uh, not it's not accurate. It's not factful. So to answer your question, yes, we should be concerned. We should absolutely be concerned. But current debt is manageable. It's something we should be aware of, and as a country, we should be concerned of. But is it a reason to panic? And feed into those newsletter, you know, uh, subject lines gold, of silver. gold, silver. It, it's going under the U.S. government, the currency, all of those types of things. No, a agree, Brian. Hundred percent. So yeah. Argentina, Venezuela, all these countries have gone bankrupt. What's? Why won't we go bankrupt with the level of debt we have? One hundred thirty-five percent of GDP, Brian. Well, for one, Argentina, Venezuela. Their their uh, their economies are nothing like the U.S. economy. We we really have the greatest uh, economy in the world and uh, strongest, the best companies in the world. Um, so that's one reason. The other reason is um, a lot of times these countries have gotten in trouble when they are borrowing in other currencies, say U.S. dollars or in uh, the yen or, or you know some other currency, and that's where they get into trouble. We're fortunate enough that the United States, our currency is the world's reserve currency. It's used all over the world. And our debt is largely in U.S. dollars. And so we have, you know, that we have a, I don't like to say this, but so, so to speak, a printing press. We can print money and pay our debts. That's not a good thing, but that's the reality. That's the reality. Because in Argentina, for example, has to issue debt in other currencies so that people will buy it because they're not going to buy the Argentina 
dollar, right? Yeah. The the other thing, there was an example used recently in terms of kind of where we're at, and uh, and I like this comparison. Someone used a small business as an example for the U.S. situation. And if I told you there was a small business that was making a million dollars a year, but was spending, you know, $1.3 million a year, you'd say, well, that's not doing very good. But then I also told you that they had assets worth $50 million a year or $30 million or not a year, but $30 million. You'd say, oh, they've got enough assets to cover that gap until they can figure out how to fix the shortfall. And that's kind of where the U.S. is. The amount of assets the U.S. has to cover its debt is still in the teens, from my understanding. Last time we saw it, it was 12.5%. That's gone up since coronavirus. But we're still a debt-to-asset ratio in the teens, and that's not an alarming rate. When you're talking about countries like Greece when they went bankrupt, their debt-to-asset ratio started to go negative. And so is it something to be concerned about? Yes. But is it manageable? Once again, yes. In, in a situation like that, as I'm analyzing uh, businesses, and you were, if you were to bring this business to me and say, Brian, what do you think of this? I would say, well, you know, I'm not happy about the, the negative cash flow. But when you have a company that has assets significantly in excess of their, their debt, so yeah, it's look, it looks interesting. You know, it looks interesting. I mean, they could sell off assets to pay off their debt. Exactly. Right. Back in 2008, according to Brian Westbury, debts were 19% of assets. Now they're a little bit lower than that, although probably not a whole lot lower because of, of the coronavirus. So does that mean we can just spend to oblivion and we're fine as a country? We don't have to worry about it. No, no, not no. at all. It, we we have to worry. It it, it does make a it, impact. I mean, our spending does have a, an impact on on our economy, and and one likely impact is inflation. Uh, and um, that's uh, if reasonable a reasonable amount of inflation is good. Uh, if we have uh, really high rates of inflation, that is really dis, uh, destructive to asset prices. And I mean, it's it's really a difficult thing. Well, and, and let's go back to my small business example. If you're running a deficiency for one year, two years, three years, it's not a huge issue. But what if that spending keeps increasing? You know, from you're running at a 30% deficiency, you know, 1.3 million you're spending and you're only bringing in a million and then it goes to 1.6 million you're spending and then it goes to 2 million. At some point, there is a concern. And when you look at the U.S. government, that's ultimately the biggest concern. Debt, yes. It's something we have to be aware of and concerned, but it's the out-of-control spending, and that's where if it continues to compound and increase at the rate it's going, well, then debt will become an issue at some point. Years. We're talking years down the line, but at the same time, if we don't get that spending under control, the entitlements specifically, those compound, and in the 2030s, it starts to get out of control. And that's really where politicians balancing the budget, bringing down debt— it has to be on the spending side. And honestly, as well, it's going to happen on the tax side as well. They're going to increase taxes, but they have to lower spending because you can't tax your way out of it. So two final questions on the topic. Let me, let me just Go make ahead. one comment. One thing that we can do is inflate our way out of it to some degree. 
If you think about, we've all heard our parents when they bought their first home, they bought their home for twenty thousand dollars, and at the time they, you know, I remember my dad telling me that at the time that was all they could afford twenty thousand dollars. Well, that same net house was worth twenty thousand dollars thirty, forty years ago is now worth five hundred thousand dollars, and you know that it that's what inflation does, and when you have an asset that appreciates over time and you have a, and a debt level that declines over time if you're making payments and it becomes less and less of a factor. And so inflation, it will help us get out of this situation if we can keep our spending under control. Not, not that spending is going to go down, but it can't increase like it has yeah. Like what well, we've seen recently. One thing I said to both of you as well is I, I still don't understand why the U.S. government hasn't done a 50-year or a 100-year bond. I mean, the 30-year is like at 1.8%, negative interest rates in the rest of the world. If you go out and offer a 50-year at two or two and a quarter, I mean, you could refinance all of our U.S. debt at two and a quarter for 50 or 100 years. In my mind, it's logical. I don't know why they haven't done it. I agree. So the role of interest rates in debt is what? In dealing with debt? Well, the role of interest rates, I mean, if interest rates go up, that, that's going to increase our debt service, our payments. And that's, that's, that's actually kind of scary. I mean, if we have significantly higher interest rates, and inflation can cause that. Inflation can have an upward pressure on interest rates. Um, that can increase our debt service. And so more of our, our tax revenue will go to servicing debt. And uh, as opposed to, you know, funding government services and things. Yeah. And, and servicing debt for our listeners, Brian's saying, is just paying interest on the debt instead of earning interest. Right. And if it's under 1% interest, the debt payments are manageable. Japan, 235% debt to GDP, but 0% interest rates. Right no, now, because no right, yeah. right now because our interest, the interest rates are so low that our debt service payments are really low and, and really not stretching, you know, our economy or our, the government uh, payments. And so that's a good situation from, you know, from that standpoint. Um, and so refinance it. It's just like someone right now that has a $200,000 mortgage and they're paying 4% on interest, uh, you know, a mortgage rate. They're refinancing to get a 2.5% at 30-year. The U.S. government should refinance, get a 50-year at 2%. My my biggest problem with this whole topic of, of debt and and uh, the newsletters that you referenced, Brett, early on that scare the that crap s- out of scare people. the crap out of people that cause people to do really I think kind of dumb things with their money, you know, going to golden cash, going to Silver. golden cash, sitting on the sidelines, afraid to buy a good business because these doom and gloom scenarios that that uh, these newsletters talk about I, I that's my biggest issue with this whole conversation and the whole topic is yes that's we're definitely concerned about the debt and, and we ha- and uh, we need to get that under control but still from an investment standpoint it's still not a reason to invest in really good businesses and change your you know your whole philosophy so we talked about last week how to deal with the known unknown or unknown unknown is to do what with your portfolio own great businesses that can survive and adjust based on what's happening in the country. Yeah. That's how you do it. 
So really, no no change to the portfolio. Uh, it hasn't changed how we invest. But let me read you something again from Westbury, who we who we enjoy reading. And Spencer, want your thoughts on this as we wrap this up. This topic. Ready. Then a happy topic. Ready, player one. The problem is that out-of-control spending, which we just talked about, gradually erodes the character of the American people. It pushes citizens towards dependence on government checks for their income rather than their own efforts. In a democracy, we want our fellow citizens to know the value of hard work, shrewd investment, and entrepreneurship. Having too many people living off taxpayers is no way to conserve those traits. That's just an emphasis by West on by Westbury on saying that the government needs to control their spending. There needs to be uh, uh, safety nets in place, absolutely, but there can't be a group of citizens um, completely reliant on the go- on the government. A, a large portion of those citizens, and you know, you look in situations like Venezuela or other places like that. Um, you look at what went on in those countries and the, the group, you know, uh, the portion of the population increased, increased, increased in receiving government benefits. And the government, that's, it, in my opinion, that's not their role. And, uh, and when that starts to get out of control, you're going to get imbalances. And that's what we need to do. We need to bring things back into balance. Which is what you always talk about, Brian, how great America is. We can't lose it. <laughs> Exactly. All right. Here's the next question. So, in essence, the debt's important. We need to pay attention to it, but it does not change how we manage a portfolio. Correct. Agreed? Mm-hmm. All right. Good thoughts, guys. Here's the next Here's the next thought. Right now, the Dow is at 30,000. I think it was five or 10,000 points ago. Brian said something very interesting. He said, I'll bet you, I'll put money on it. Oh. This is big. Oh. That in 10 years, and that might have been three or four years ago, Brian, that the Dow is at 40,000. I believe. Now the Dow's at 30,000. You're almost there. <laughs> yeah. Um, I believe that, uh, I think the Dow at the time was at 20,000. I said it's going to, it's going to, it'll double over the next 10 years or 10 ish. I think, it, but it was a, a year or two ago when I said this. I believe. Yeah, we'd have to go back and look. <laughs> Did you say tennis or tennis? Ten. 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 <laughs> Game with rackets. Yeah. So I don't know if you've everybody's heard the rule of seventy-two, but it, it's it's a rule that we talk about in the investment profession quite often. And basically, what it says is, if you can earn ten percent on your money, your money will double every seven years. If you can earn, it's you know, you take seven into into seventy-two. That takes that's ten years. Your money will double in ten years. Or if you take uh, ten in, into seventy-two, money will double every seven years. Well, stocks on average, the if you look at uh, S and P five hundred earnings, on average they grow between six and eight percent a year, approximately six to eight percent a year. And that includes recessions. Are we have setbacks from time to time, and uh, so if we can, and basically in in about ten years, S and P five hundred earnings will double, the earnings will double, and generally stock prices will follow those those earnings as earnings grow. The value of the stocks will go up, 
And so um, this is not an outrageous prediction, by the way. It's, it's a, it may sound outrageous, but it's really not. So right now the Dow's at 30,000. Mm-hmm. If I were to tell you, Spencer, in 10 years the Dow's going to be at 60,000, how does that impact your investing philosophy? Well, I would continue to own great companies. And even if you told me the Dow was going to be at 40,000 or 20,000 or 100,000, I want to own the best companies I possibly can. And that's where I'm going to stay invested. So uh, that's, that's my reaction to if the Dow is at 60,000, great. I'm not going to own the whole Dow. I'm just going to try to find the best companies within it to invest in. If you look at uh, stocks, if you, if you feel confident or if you have an idea, let's say, hey, you know what, in 10 years, the Dow is going to be at 60,000 or maybe it's 40 or 50,000. Um, why would you get out of stocks if you know, if you think that stocks might, we're right now at 30,000 on the Dow. Let's say the Dow goes to 25,000 over, you know, a year from now. So, so should we get out now? Buy more. And then should we get out now and, and f- preparing for that correction? Even though we know that in say ten years the Dow is going to be significantly 60, higher, 000. say I don't know if it's going to be sixty thousand. I'm not making a prediction prediction on. You did last time. Well, that was on forty thousand. <laughs> that was on forty thousand. So, Dow Dow sixty thousand from an all time high. I I don't know. I I don't know. I'm I'm not super confident the Dow will be sixty thousand, but it'll be sixty thousand ish, right? It'll be give or take, you know. Five or ten thousand on each side. So, probably. so here's the importance of Dow sixty thousand or Dow a hundred thousand or whatever you want to say is that the businesses that you own are critical, right? But so is the time in the market that you invest with or have. A five year old, if they start investing now, has a great advantage over a thirty five year old. Why? Because of the rule of 72. So if we know that we're going to double in 10 years-ish, not tennis, then just stay invested and keep putting money in the market. That should make everybody happy knowing, hey, I just got to relax because Iron Gate has this for me. And my money's going to compound. For all you people that are investing, let's say you're 50 years and younger, um. You want stock prices to be down and so you can invest in low stock prices. High stock prices just means you're paying higher prices, which means future returns are going to be muted somewhat because if you have high stock prices. And so don't panic when the market goes down. You should actually cheer. If you're going to be a net investor over, say, the next 10, 20, 30 years, you want stock prices to stay at reasonable prices because that will benefit you down the road now if you're retired of course you want you want higher stock prices because you're actually a net withdrawal you're taking net withdrawals out of your investment portfolios so i'm happy with reasonable prices i don't like really extremely high prices and i do like extremely low prices (laughs) here's the thing here's the thing that i always tell my wife and spencer i know you talk about this as well is we're under 50 we got at least four doubles in us which means if we stay invested in the market, our money's going to double and double again and double again and double again. And, and it's the fourth and fifth double 
that really where you make your money. Yeah. It's it's if if you're 12 years old, I tell my daughter this all the time. It's the sixth and seventh double that really make a difference. It's not the first and second one that make a huge difference, but it's the sixth and seventh double. But you got to start now in order to get there. Being the old guy here, I can attest to that. Way that's old. that's true, because I've seen that personally. Yeah, I've seen. You know, I remember the, the first. You know, you talk about the the first thousand dollars money you, you make, or the first ten thousand, the first hundred thousand. It's a lot easier to go from, you know, to make your second hundred thousand, uh, and uh, it's it's a lot easier than say that first even first ten thousand. Yeah, it, yeah, and and. And all it takes, as we do this for people, is one single word that starts with a P and ends with patience. <laughs> That's all people have to do is be patient and listen to us. <laughs> that should make everybody excited, right? I would think so. Yeah. <laughs> all right, my friends. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today on debt. And most importantly, on compounding your wealth, Spencer Nelson. Let's do it. All right, my friends, until next time. Bye-bye. This is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized financial advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's financial situation is unique, and the topics discussed on this broadcast should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized advice. Specific financial securities discussed are not intended to address any listener's particular financial situation and should not be considered recommendations. This is for educational purposes only. For more information, please contact Iron Gate Global Advisors at info at or by calling 888-591-0334.